Chapter 58 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pat Navarre. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 58. Pathetic Interview Between Lucinda and Victor. Dr. Juno raised his head and wiped away his great tears and said, Oh, what can I do for having brought so much misery upon you, my dear, my most precious Lucinda? My love for you is beyond the power of language to express it, but my love for God and his cause is equal to it. Therefore, I cannot see how I could have acted to have kept possession of the two things or creatures that I love far better than my own life, namely, yourself and my cause. Noble, brave, Herculean hero, I love you a million times more for that righteous expression, interposed she. But I have really been the cause of all the misery that you and your excellent father had to undergo. And you, dear saint, who have always had all you wanted or needed, have been taken away from everything that was delightful, and have been cast into a dungeon, been insulted, abused, and tortured on my account, ejaculated he, in great distress and earnestness. But listen, my precious one, I have found you by the loss you speak of, yes, for a brief period of suffering and loss of imaginary wants, I have gained a jewel that is worth more to me than kingdoms and worlds combined. Do not deem me a poor, weak chit of a thing, but look upon me as a woman, who knowing the right dare also maintain it, and if the firmament overhead falls. I have loved my father, but as long as there is life, there is also hope, and I feel now almost certain that you and I, with the help of the fixed law of a just God, will be able to calm his frenzied brain and heal him of his disease, said she. Holy angel, you speak like an inspired oracle from heaven. Yes, and who made me such but your noble self, interposed she, smiling and touching him tenderly under the chin whilst she kissed his brow. Heaven be glorified for giving me this help meet. Now I am blessed. Now I am crowned with glory, and I feel that ten thousand deaths would be painless with you by my side. You, whom I looked upon as a tenderly bred and lavishly raised child of affluence, have grown an inspired seraph, who can vitalize the dormant faculties of sage and sire. You, whose talismanic power and expansive mentality can teach me what I thought no woman could know or do. You who are worthy to become the wife of a throned monarch. How can I ever repay you for this intrinsic heroism, said he. Precious dear, you can repay me fully by continuing to love me, and no woman is happier than to see her lover act like a man of principle and man of honor, who would suffer and die for the right, as I am convinced you would. For you have already suffered the most cruel martyrdom, have gone through many dangers, but have been saved by a higher power than man can wield for me, for me alone. Is this not so? asked Miss Armington. Yes, sweet saint, 
I am yours, body and soul, and yours alone forever, so help me God, responded he, whilst he pressed her to his heart. A knock at the door, when Judy announced that she had prepared such edibles as they had in the house, which they were invited to partake of. Dr. Juno conducted the young millionaires to the table, where they found everything that was healthy, palatable, and fine, and whilst they satiated the inner being, they spoke to Pat and Judy, who were as lively as bees, waiting upon their long-lost hosts. And when they had finished their meal, the persecuted lovers returned to the drawing-room, where Miss Armington, by request of her lover, told him how she was abducted and the general treatment she had received at the asylum. She related everything to her beloved, except the last interview with the deacon, with all of which the reader is already familiar. When she had finished her recital of the exciting incidents, he said, The deacon is a vile reptile, but you, my exquisite angel, are truly a heroine and saint of the first water. Do you think so, darling? She said, giving him one of those seraphic smiles which a perfect woman alone can give. I am sorry, dear saint, but really, I must repair to my home. I have much to tell you that will astonish you, but I must leave it for the next time we meet, said he. When will that be, beloved Victor? asked she. Whenever my darling desires it, said he, but I must not monopolize too much of your time, for you require rest from excitement. Do not say that, for I only rest when I am in your precious presence. Come tomorrow, but before you leave, tell me only one thing. Where were you when father was first attacked with insanity? asked she. I was in my own office, where your noble father visited me to ascertain of the whereabouts of your precious self, said he. Did you know where I was? exclaimed she. No, my love, I did not, but I had some strong suspicion that you were somewhere in that hellhole, said he. What made you suspicion that? asked she. Well, to tell you the truth, I was abducted the very same night, and almost the same hour that you were, and was gagged, bound, and carried to a horrible basement dungeon that was damp, dark, and unhealthy in that same asylum, ejaculated he. Oh, how horrible, most horrible. But how did you escape? asked she. Through an honest Irishman's assistance who was a friend of Pat and Judy by the name of Jemmy, said he. Jemmy, the honorable fellow, I know him. He was an overseer, was he not, at the asylum, asked she. That is how I was aided, my love, said he. Then it was through Pat O'Connor and Judy McCree that we got our freedom, replied she. Yes, darling, primarily it was, said he. Oh, beloved Victor, how you must have suffered. But I do not ask you to give me a full statement of everything that transpired since we were abducted just now, as you wish to go to your office, but I long to hear it all very soon. One word more, and I have done for the present, my precious Victor. Where is father? asked she. I am grieved to tell you that he is a lawful prisoner in that same asylum, but they treat him very kind. I have been to see him once, said he, softly. Poor dear father, she sighed. Do not mourn, my precious love. We will get him well, said he. 
but now i must go to my office and punish the villainous old deacon End chapter 